Welcome to the Give Back Economy, a podcast about social innovation and social enterprise. Now with your host, Peter Miller. So welcome, and today we have a social innovator from the Windsor area. And I hope I don't mess up your name, but I'll try. So, Janica Worsteveld. It's Janica Worsteveld, and I'm actually from Bayfield, not from Windsor. Ah, okay. But with that name, you weren't, were you born here or your parents from another country? Um, I was born here, but my father was born in the Netherlands, so my name's Dutch. Okay. So that's why you're a gardener. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. Okay, well, let's let's start with your education after high school. Um, after high school, I took close to three and a half years off to travel, uh, and then I ended up in taking a TESOL course in London, Ontario, and moved to Mexico to teach English to speakers of other languages for um, a local small school in a city called Zamora, Mexico. And from there, that's where I kind of fell in love with teaching and um, took but another year and a bit after that for me to fully decide that that's what I wanted to do. And I ended up getting my undergraduate from Brock University. And then I took my teacher's degree at Massey University in New Zealand. And then I've done a few extra qualifications after that. So you're obviously an international student. You don't like yeah. staying in one place. No, I've been in the same spot for a few years now, but my feet get a little itchy every once in a while. <laughs> Excellent. So after high school, tell us about your work experience. Um, after high school, I worked out in Jasper Park Lodge for a year being a waitress just for something to do because I wasn't quite sure what I wanted to do for a, a career. So I took a year and worked out there and lived in the mountains and it was wonderful. Um, and then I moved home and lived back in London for a bit and was struggling to find work. And that's when I took the TESOL course and from there... A lot of my jobs were teaching English, so I, I taught English in Mexico, and then I taught in South Korea on two different occasions as well before I went to school. And then I always kind of kept a part-time job in the service industry because it works really well with supply teaching and all of that once I went into school and did all that. So you must be multilingual. Unfortunately not. I've learned a little bit of each language in the places that I've been, but it's one of the things that I struggle to learn the most is how to actually speak other languages. And I've been told that I have really good pronunciation, but my ability to actually remember and be able to speak it is a little bit on the hard side. Ah. Okay, so let's get to your organization that you've created on a part-time basis so far. Uh, how did you come up with the name? Uh, actually, years ago, I had a mentor that I used to sit down with and kind of chat about where I wanted to go with my life and what I wanted to do. And he introduced me to the quote, uh, plant the seeds that plant the seeds that grow the trees under which shade you will never sit. And there was just something about that quote that sat with me. And it was really about wanting to plant seeds about to create something that would be beyond me and beyond my lifetime, hopefully. And, and it kind of then comes around as well to 
to the kids and and I believe that children are so much like a seed and even though you might have all the same seed they each might need something a little different and they'll turn into a very different flower even if they're from the same species so to me it was very much about them and not so much about myself okay so talk about your team it's just me um so I I do the I do the company on my own. Um, I've always done it on my own, but the the team part that I have is my community. So I have close to fifty different partners that work with me that come in and teach the kids any of their specialities, from beekeeping to medicinal plants, search and rescue. Um, I've had all the OPP and ambulance come in and talk with the kids in the fire department. Um, I have guys that come and talk to them about hunting, um, artists that come in and all kinds of stuff. So my team really isn't anybody that's full time with me, but it's the little pieces of the community that come in and work with me all the time. So who's your backup? Just me. The dog or the cat? (laughs) Um, The dog would keep them all in the same spot and the cat would let them keep them petted and keep them calm. It's a team option. (laughs) So talk to me about your services or your programs. Um, So right now what I offer is a uh, summer summer program. So it's four days. It runs from Monday through Thursday, and I do two different age groups. I do four, um, six, seven, and eight-year-olds are one group, and then nine, 10, 11, 12-year-olds are the other group. And they come in and we go to two different locations, usually two days in one spot and two days in the other. We spend all day outdoors um, exploring and playing games and having our guest speakers come in and doing crafts and, and all of these kinds of things. We do a, uh, a morning circle where we kind of just talk about the day and what's going to happen and how everybody's feeling and what they did the night before. Um, We do a sit spot most of the time, and then at the end, we do kind of a closing circle where we talk about um, things that went well, things that they learned, and things they'd like to do better the next time at the end. Um, It runs from 9 in the morning until 4 in the afternoon, uh, and it's $300 a week per kid. And then I also do, when things have an ability to, I do an outdoor school for kids, and it runs one day a week. And they come once a week for a six-week stint, and then we take two weeks off, and then they can come for another six-week stint. Um, And that's for a lot more local kids most of the time because it is during the school year. And then the summer one, we fill with a little bit between local kids and some some summer kids. So it's a lot of fun. We have lots of guest speakers that come in and work with us. The summer school, the the outdoor school costs three hundred and sixty dollars for the for the. six weeks um when the ability comes back one of the things that i do like to offer for the parents is that the kids get fed um we can't do that right now but when it comes back i believe that there are two things that that are the main part of what makes my program so awesome for the parents and the learning and the engaging and all of that is such a wonderful thing but i think it's it's also a great thing to be able to send a kid home fed and tired so parents don't have to worry about lunches or snacks or anything in the morning. They can just pile them up and send them out the door. And then when they come home, they're tired and exhausted. Most parents tell me at the end of the day, their kids are maybe go on technology for an hour or so. If that, even if they do, they're usually passed out 
at a nice early time, which is awesome. And then this year we're going to be launching for our first time, it's grown up field trips. And so it's a lot of the same type of stuff that I do with the kids, um, a lot of the same different um, community members that will come in and work with people, but we'll be doing it with, the, with adults instead. And to me, it's that moment for you to, for adults to not have to worry about being an adult and to actually come and have fun like the kids do and enjoy it that way. And those are $300 a day and it's a full catered lunch and there's a snack in the morning and coffee and a snack in the afternoon. Um, they're usually held at a brewery. So if people want to buy a beer for, for lunch, they can, but the great thing about that and the, the main push to be able to do that is 10% of each person that comes, their money will go towards a sponsorship program, which is going to help send more youth to the youth organizations. Cause one of the biggest things for me is that just because, ed, just because it's an alternative form of education doesn't mean that it should cost money. I think that all forms of learning should be free and as available to kids as we possibly can. So that's where I plan on taking the organization in the future with this adult programming. So when we fill one full day of 10 adults in the adult program that pays for one kid to come for a week of summer school. So you've got kids, you've got adults. Yep. What about families? Um, I haven't really thought about that. One of the things I've thought about doing is doing a grandparents and grandkids and that they can come and do stuff together. Cause I think that it's, it's a great experience to be able to have those two things kind of come together, but being able to run family days would actually be a really cool thing to add in. Do you do any events? We tried. We, I'm just a couple of years old. I was supposed to do the fantastic fungi uh, fundraiser. And so in the future, I hope to be able to run fundraisers and events at night through some of the local breweries and things like that. Um, I do like to go to any of the local um, festivals that are happening or anything where I put out a display and kids can do crafts for free and kind of learn about what I do while the kids are playing and creating something that, that deals with the season or the event that's going on at the time. Now, seeds. Seeds on a seasonal basis. How do, how do you deal with that? Or is this just a summer program or do you, have you considered doing it a year round? Well, the, the outdoor school will be the year round um, with the six weeks on and two weeks off. And that, will, that goes from September until the end of June. And the hope is eventually to be able to run this all year, all five days of the week. Okay. But seeds, why the focus on seeds? On seeds? Because the kids are seeds. And because planting, being able to, to engage people in learning and entice them into something is planting a seed in them. It's, it's giving them a, a little piece of something that can grow into something if they really want it to. Um, I found with so many of the different kids and even talking to different adults, they, they experience something that they didn't think that they would like until they try it. And all of a sudden they go home and they keep thinking about it and it kind of grows in their mind. And I've had one little girl who, who every year now traps and tries to find, um, a caterpillar and butterfly eggs so that she can help them hatch and things like this. So it's really about but planting those little pieces of knowledge that, that will grow for people when they find something that they love. And it's also about the, the, the participants themselves being a seed and being able to help nourish something in them so that they can grow to be the best part of themselves. What about community gardens? 
that is something that once I can find a permanent place, then I would love to have a community garden. One of the biggest things that I believe in from my own personal life experience is when we can feed ourselves well and take care of ourselves with nutrition, then our bodies and our minds just function better. So food is a big part of it for me. And so I want to be able to have a garden that is a community garden that people can come out and volunteer their time with. The kids will spend time working in it and maybe be able to put up a little stand so they can sell some of their, their vegetables that they grow throughout the year. Because I believe that there's there's something powerful and beautiful about being able to grow your own food that you then eat. And then I would like to be able to have the kids take home fresh food every day that they come from the garden. So this sounds to me like agrihood. A little bit. <laughs> because in, in the U.S. there was a group of millennials who bought a farm and then mm -hmm. built houses around the farm. Oh, amazing. And then they uh, produced it for their own houses. And the surplus went to a food bank and other groups within the community. That's amazing. And that was their ag agrihood approach, which was kind of interesting. I really like that. I think that that's great. I think, to me, the the idea of a cooperative is very enticing to me. And being able to have, you know, like the garden and then have someone who do, does leather work, work, like be on the facility, have a medicinal plant woman or man who's there that, that, that works with the land and a conservation area and beekeepers that are out there and all of these things. And if we can all kind of work together, I think that it's also such an amazing thing for the kids to be able to have all of that stuff right around them to learn from as well, to kind of bring us back to that, that grassroots of, of natural and the environment and truly engaging with our, with our natural environment. So with COVID, has that changed you to pivot what you're doing to go online at all? I contemplated going online. Um, when all of this started, I did at-home learning packages for local people. Um, they could come and pick one up, and it would have a few lessons in it and all the materials that they would need that they wouldn't have within their homes in it as well. Um, and I thought about when being able to create that at another point, um, but I really believe that at this point I want to put most of my efforts into the in-person um, learning hands-on experience because that's that's the thing that I'm most connected to and and I think in the future being able to offer the packages that send to parents that aren't in the local area or can't come then at least I can help parents um, in different areas engage with their kids outdoors in a different way. Talk about the importance of partnerships. I think without partnerships, which to me is essentially community, we can't grow and flourish to be everything that we, that we could possibly be. Um, I've learned a lot over the years and it's something that I never expected to come out of it, that, that these partnerships are the key to everything. And, and it's that goes back to that saying of, you know, it takes a community to raise a child. It, it really takes a community to, to bring anything to its full potential. And so when I, when people come in these partners and they help me, I also turn around and help them. And from that, I believe us all working together, we can raise each other up instead of just trying to go up all on our own. So where do you get your supplies? For the materials? Yes. Most of them we find in nature. So I would say probably 
60, 70% other than paper and pencil crayons and things like that. We find it all in nature and use everything out in nature. What about seeds? Like actual seeds? Um, they're like for me to buy or? I don't know. Where do you get them from? For me, for my personal garden or for the kids? No, no, for your programs. Um, we don't. If I had seeds, like when I get to the point of having an actual garden to be able to plant a garden, then I would get all my seeds locally. There's actually a gentleman in Air who um, who does a really great uh, fundraiser, all with seeds, and he would be someone that I would probably speak to to be able to get them because then I know that they're all produced and created in a local area. I think that it's great to be able to get that kind of stuff here. But at this point right now, because of where we sit, I don't, and I don't have property myself right now to be able to produce a garden on. So I am not able to buy the seeds to give to the kids and, and grow the gardens. Okay. What about the idea of sponsorship? Sponsorship for the kids? For your programs. Um, it's something that I am pivoting into having. And I think that sponsorship is, is a great way for people to get involved. Um, within my organization, I've had sponsorships from different, from different places and different businesses that either sponsor a child to come or like the Bayfield Optimist, they sponsor and paid for my insurance every year, which really helps me with being able to do all the other things that I need to be able to do. Um, but one of the things that I'm launching on the website is to be able to sponsor the organization in different ways. So either monetarily, if someone just wants to be able to sponsor money, or if they want to sponsor one child to come, or if they want to even sponsor a whole week of kids to be able to come. And then there are give backs with that, with being able to come to the organization and kind of meet the kids if they want and different things like that. So I want to be able to have those, but my main goal is that those are to me would be, would be benefits or bonuses. I'm hoping that the organization itself can create the sponsorship program so that we are only reliant on ourselves instead of being reliant solely on outside sources, if that makes sense. So on your website, I didn't see any videos. No. Because wouldn't it be uh, great to show some of those kids in operation of what they're doing and Yes, and what, I've, what their feelings are and their reactions. Yeah, and I've actually hired a photographer this year. Um, and once we can get together again, he's going to come out and do some of that stuff for me as well. Um, the biggest problem with trying to get video myself is that I'm I'm there on my own, and so it's hard for me to be engaging with the kids while also trying to get video of them at the same time. So what you, what you need is a little bit of a team. Yes, and that's that's where I'm hoping to go in the future because I've been learning. Um, it's hard for me to do it all on my own. It, it really is. I have a lot of people that come and work with me for a couple hours in the morning and a couple hours at night. Um, and I've had my feelers out for a little while to try to find a few other people that will come and work with me. Uh, but being in the industry that I am as a teacher, it's actually can be a little bit harder sometimes for at least for the, on the teachers aspect for people to think about leaving careers that have full benefits and, and all of these kinds of things that come with a full-time teaching position with the, with the government. Um, but I'm hoping in the future that the team will keep growing and it'll grow in many different aspects. Um, and so fingers crossed, that's where we end up going. Well, I think it's important to build your team and, mm -hmm. uh, 
So you have a backup. So you're allowed to have a migraine. You're allowed to take a vacation. Yep. You can depend on somebody else to run things for you. Yep. And it's a partner and a and different, more of a team is something I've been looking for. And I know that when, when the time comes and it's meant to be, I feel like that those people will start coming into my life at the right times. And I've had my feelers out and I always, I always keep an eye to see if anybody is actually truly interested and try to normally when I would be, we'd be out kind of socializing and going to events and that would be a great way to be able to meet people. So hopefully when we can get into doing that again, and then when the business starts to grow beyond, you know, one, the one sessions in the summer and just the small sessions during the school year, when it grows a little bit more and the business can create more money out of it, then I can start hiring people on to do things. It's all about selling benefits, the mm, benefits yeah. of being involved and what, mm-hmm. what they gain from the experience. Yeah. You know, they learn and they give back. And you put their names on your website mm-hmm. so that it's a little recognition of what they're contributing, that kind of yep. thing. And that's why I co-wrote a book called The Give Back Economy, which is the same as the podcast name, which is... I plan on looking up the book because I'd like to be able to read it because I think that it's such a it's such a beautiful way that I think the economy should work. Well, that's but what's interesting, we don't get any royalties. We put the royalties back into the organization we're running. So Oh, wonderful. Yeah. Okay, here comes a little more challenging question. 3 years from today, what's your organization going to look like? I'm hoping in three years from today, I will have a permanent location. Um, And having a permanent piece of land that I can be on all the time is the game changer for me. Um, It will allow me to, A, create those community gardens and really dig our roots in somewhere, which is something that's such a struggle for me being being a globetrotter for so many years to really think about. But if I can, once I have that piece of land and that, that piece of, place we can call the seeds can call home then i can start running more programs during the school year um run more programs even in the in the summer if i want to put bring two cohorts in instead of just one cohort and have someone hired to work with them um and then that's when i hope to be able to start really building this cooperative because i think that being able to buy a piece of land with other businesses benefits all of us and then once we can all have a permanent place to be then i can really that'll be when things really start to amp up and really pick up a lot more with so much more stuff that I can offer. And so much more, so, so, so many more programs, but also more often. So instead of it just being one or two days a week right now where I do it, and then I work as a supply teacher on the side to kind of pay my bills essentially so that I can get the business up and going. Um, that's what I'm hoping for in three years is to have a piece of land so that we have a home to, to call home. And a team. Yes. And a team where I have one of my big things is, is I've learned over the years. I love, I love working with kids. I love educating kids. I love being a part of it, but I do want to hire a teacher. I want to hire someone that, that loves the nitty gritty of creating the lesson plans. Cause I do believe that there is a strength with the curriculum and having all of that. So being able to have another person on that works with the kids in the morning and then I work with the kids in the afternoon and, then being able to have some people that are considered kind of supply that will come in if one of us are sick for the day and take over for, for the morning or the afternoon or whatever we need them for. 
Okay, so you've kind of built the model. Mm -hmm. Why not replicate it in other communities? That's hopeful. Once once I get this one built and I'm and I've got it and I've kind of got a hold of it, then I would love to be able to just implant it in different places and allow because I think even as much as you can build the model, the beautiful thing is is that in Huron County we will have this group of entrepreneurs and experts and specialists that'll be able to come in and work with the organization. But if you go somewhere else and it's outside of Kitchener Waterloo, you have a whole new sector of community and a different type of community that you're dealing with. And so each one would still be very individualistic while having the same model, but it would be very different for who would be involved and how they would be involved. Have you reached out to the university and the college to see if some students might be willing to help you? Uh, no, someone just mentioned that to me actually a few weeks ago that it might be a good way to go is to reach out to the universities and see if somebody would maybe want to help in that way. No, I, like, well, oh, I mean, University of Windsor and... Mm-hmm. Yeah, and we have Western that's really close here too, and yeah. Because uh, as a former professor at two colleges in Toronto, um Professors are always looking for projects to, oh, get, cool. to, to get their students involved. Oh, that's amazing. Yeah, because one of the ones that I thought about was, is I've started working with a counselor here in the local area, and I would love to have a student that would love to come and work with it too that's doing for psychology is building up really good surveys so that we can start to track the true impact that we're having on these kids and on the community. And so I would love to have a student that would be able to, that would be willing and want to come and work with something like that. So you haven't applied for the summer student program? No. Okay. Okay. But I think a lot of students, you know, when they see your passion and what you do with the kids, would be willing to volunteer some time. Yeah, that's, I never even really thought about it outside of something very specific, but with someone who would maybe want to come and just work with the kids on a regular basis. It's a really good idea. Well, I mean, you know, ECE students mm -hmm. could, uh, could have some interest. Yeah, and I know there's outdoor education students that go to like Nipissing University and stuff like that, that they might be interested to be able to come and, and work with the organization. And. And it, it could be online as well because mm -hmm. there's, there's no reason why it ha has to be fully uh, in person because students can learn, well, they're subjected to online learning right now. Yep. So that adapting to a program that you would offer in the summer. Mm-hmm where you could show them how to make meals for their parents would be kind of cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And uh, not only make uh, meals for their parents, but make meals for seniors. Yes. In the local community. One of the, um, one of the things that I, once I have permanent land, one of the, one of the, or one of the organizations that I, love to be able to work with in the future is local hospices and being able to put a yurt on the, on the property that could be used for a local hospice so that they can come out and spend the time and the kids can be there and the kids can help them and cook for them and allow them to be a part of nature, but be around the kids energy and stuff like that as well. So with, with one of the uh, 
groups from your pitch competition. I interviewed them this afternoon. Uh, it was the working class. Yes, wonderful women. And uh, so, I mean, what they're doing is providing meals to immigrants who want to work, who work on farms. Mm -hmm. So why couldn't your food be a contributor to what they're doing? Yeah, and I think about all the ways that the food can, once, once I can produce food with the kids and once I have a permanent piece of land, then I think about all the things that we could be doing with, with helping the, the local community with it. Um, well, that, that's, that's why you need a team. Yeah, that's why I need a team and that's why I need a piece of land. So, okay, so that's one aspect. So tell me about business planning. Do you have time to put together a business plan for what you're doing? Yeah, I've revamped it two or three times now because I each each year that it, things come around and things kind of change, it molds and adapts and things like that. So yeah, I think that creating a business plan and going back and revisiting it at least every six months to a year is a good thing to be able to do because things change so much. Um, it really helps stop and make me think about how can I actually make this happen? What are the steps that I need to take to get here? And then reassessing it again so long down the line and being like, okay, is that the path that we're still on or do we need to pivot to kind of rechange how we're getting and where we're going? Because I find that with any goal, most of the time you can have an end result, but the way that you get there might not be the way that you plan to get there. And so it's all about being able to adapt. And so a business plan, I think, is always important to go back and kind of sit at and look at so that it forces my brain to re-go, okay, so what are we doing and where is the market and how does it work and what, how do we get there? What are the steps that we actually need to take to get to those places and what are we trying to really do? Okay, we've covered a lot of territory. Mm -hmm. So how do people find your website? Could you please... Tell us what your website is. Yeah, it's www.seedsrooted.org. So that's S-E-E-D-S-R-O-O-T-E-D.org. Um, you can even type in Seeds Rooted um, in Youth into a Google, and it should pop up there as well. Okay. And it's also a Facebook page and an Instagram page. All right. So this evening we had... A wonderful opportunity to talk to a lady who has passion about what she does. She's a teacher, she's a learner, she's a globetrotter, and she does a lot of very positive stuff. So thank you very much for joining us. Thank you so much for having me.